This is Cashology by FMBO, a podcast devoted to the art and science of managing your money. It's like school, but your only homework is living your best financial life. Class is now in session. People are doing everything online these days, staying in touch with friends, checking the news, shopping, and banking. Our money, like so many other aspects of our lives, is now mobile. Today, consumers shop more on their phone than they do in-store, and nearly three-quarters of consumers bank online or use mobile banking apps. So, how do we keep our money safe online? That's the question for today. Welcome, and thanks for listening to the Cashology Podcast, hosted by your guide on the path to financial savvy, me, Julie Wyans. Today, I'm joined by FMBO's Chief Information Security Officer, Jeff Weeks, to help us talk about keeping our money safe online. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you. I wanted us to start this episode out, Jeff, with you telling us about some common mistakes people make online. You bet. Thank you, Julie. Um, Yeah, a lot of the common mistakes people make online really start with a, a user ID and a password. You really need to make your user ID and password as strong and as difficult as you can because, you know, it's it. Keep in mind that, you know, the weaker you make it, the easier you make it for you to remember. You're also making it easy for the hackers and the bad guys to remember or break into it. (laughs) I've actually heard that the word password is one of the most popular passwords out there. Is that true, Jeff? That is true. It's it's amazing how many people actually use password as their password. Um, That's the number one hacked password on the Internet now as well as, you know, most of the things you get when you buy online or you you get a new PC or a new iPad or a new iPhone or anything like that, it comes with the default password of password in there. So it's either people don't change the password or they or they pick the password. So I would highly recommend against using password. Actually, we have another podcast episode around fraud protection. And one of the recommendations our guest made was to avoid using your actual personal information in your security questions for your um, online banking or really anything that requires security questions. That same logic could be applied to your password. I mean, in social media, you could say the name of of your dog or where you went to high school and that could be something a, a fraudster or a hacker could get access to. That is definitely the same advice for passwords. Um, I recommend not using, we call them out of wallet answers. You don't want to use anything that a bad guy or a hacker can look up and get the answer to on the on the internet. You know, my, my address or I graduated from high, this high school, I graduated this year. You know, anything that the hacker can actually look up and find the answer on the internet, you don't want to use that as a password. That definitely makes sense. So other than making sure you don't utilize common words to yourself for your password, what other common mistakes do people make online? Yeah, the most common are they're using a password with all letters and usually they're all like lowercase. Again, like I said earlier, you want to make it as difficult as you can on the bad guy. So when you're setting up your password, you need to keep it in in the back of your mind is how easy is this password for a hacker to, to guess? So with that, you know, we... We recommend using phrases as passwords. Um, you know, Mary had a little lamb, but within the phrase, you want to you want to put some uppercase letters in there. You might want to think about replacing your eyes in the phrase with the number one 
or replacing your E's with the number three. Um, another one we see a lot of is people replace the actual letter O with the digit zero. And then you want to throw some special characters in there, an exclamation point, an asterisk, an and sign. That just makes it so much more difficult for the hacker to actually guess your password. Jeff, tell me about two-factor authentication. What is it and why do we use it? Two-factor authentication is just another layer of security on your accounts, um, which I highly recommend two-factor authentication. Two-factor really boils down to something you know, which is actually your user ID and password. And the second factor is something you have. So something you have is kind of like a a cell phone or an email address or or an iPad. And if the hacker, you go to log on to the website, you put your user ID and password in, the next thing you're going to get before you're granted access to the full website, your account is, okay, we want to text you a code to your phone or your iPad, or we want to text a code to your, or send a code to your email address, a one-time six-digit, some of them use eight to 12-digit codes. But you want to set that up. That way, when you log in with your user ID and password, the website is then going to actually send you a one-time six-digit, eight, 10, 12-digit code that you have to then enter in before it grants you access. That way, the hacker, they're not going to have your your cell phone or your iPad or your computer to receive that code. So they're kind of dead in the water if they don't get that code. I have to say it is such a pain to use two-factor authentication and it does take time, but in the long run, it will pay off. Yes, I I agree. I, I get that's one of the biggest things I get from people is it's a lot of work or it's very difficult for me to ask for that code and then put in the code. It's just delaying me logging in. And you know, I don't I don't mean to be facetious about it, but if you've had to go through identity theft or somebody actually breaking into one of your accounts, whether it's the financial, Amazon, YouTube, or Facebook, you're going to spend six months to a year battling that. And it's kind of where I think, you know what, I'll, I'll take the extra five or 10 seconds to make sure it's not the bad guy coming into my account. One common mistake I've heard about is people using public Wi-Fi to access apps or entering their passwords. Uh, I tend to do that. I mean, I go to a coffee shop and study or do work. And I don't think twice about really what applications I use. I mean, what risk do I run into? It is a huge risk using public Wi-Fi. Um, probably one of the biggest vulnerabilities I see out there right now is, is the public Wi-Fi. So if you connect at a coffee shop or an airport or, or at a Kinko's or a restaurant or something, and, and it is not Secured. It's not asking you for a user ID and password to log in, or there's no lock on your screen. Then that's a public Wi-Fi, and what that means is there's no security on it. So you could have a bad guy sitting across the parking lot or across the actual coffee shop, just eavesdropping on on your internet connection. Which means he can. There's tools out there that are free for him to download. He can watch every keystroke you're doing on a public Wi-Fi. I tell people when I talk and I do my presentations, you just need to be aware of what you're doing on a public Wi-Fi. Public Wi-Fi are not bad if you're careful about how you use them. And what I mean by that is if, if you're on a public Wi-Fi, you know, you can surf the internet and, and look up Google and all that kind of stuff. Things you don't care about people seeing you do. But what you never want, you never want to put in a user ID and a password to any website if you're on a public Wi-Fi. Oh, okay. I actually didn't realize that 
you had to actually use the applications on public Wi-Fi. I thought that hackers could access your data just in general on public Wi-Fi. That's correct. Now it is, you know, with the public Wi-Fi, if you get a really educated and smart hacker and he's not just after your user ID and password, but he wants to take over your phone, that is a channel for him to get into. Um, Chances are he's not because he has to be very quick and quiet about what he's doing. And for him to take over your phone or your laptop, it's going to take him some time and some effort. So they usually go with just the low-hanging fruit, which is just waiting for you to type in a user ID and password. But they do have the capability of trying to take over your your personal device. Oh, boy. I'm thinking back to those times that I've traveled abroad and really relied on public Wi-Fi to get around. In those instances, I, I did not purchase a phone plan. So I'd always try to find some sort of restaurant, coffee shop, and use their Wi-Fi there. Yeah. If you're in a coffee shop and you're looking up Google or pull up maps, internet maps or anything like that, just think to yourself, do I really care if somebody sees what I'm doing on the maps or Google? If you don't, then it's fine to use it. Probably the biggest question I get, which I agree with is, you know, Jeff, I'm in an airport and I have to do some online banking. All I have is my cell phone with. Well, in those situations, what I recommend is just going on your phone turning your Wi-Fi off completely and just doing your online banking or log into your websites through your phone network. That will secure it in itself and the hackers don't have access to the actual phone network when you turn your Wi-Fi off. Okay. So you recommend just using data on your phone? Correct. This is one of those same instances like two-factor authentication that in the moment are pain, but in the long run, completely worth it to go through that extra step. Yeah, the identity theft, I've actually been through it twice myself um, by the nature of the job I do. And it's just not worth the time and effort, you know, of not being as secure as you can on the Internet. Because the way I look at it is there's always somebody trying to watch what you're doing on the Internet. The other concept that I wanted to talk about on today's episode was fishing. And it's definitely not fishing, like gone fishing to the lake, but fishing pH. Can you tell us more about what phishing scams are? You bet. That's probably the number two most used hacker technique on the internet. Phishing is where they will send you an email or they'll text you a code or actually call your phone with a voicemail. And they're going to try and disguise themselves as somebody you know, your financial institution or an account rep at Amazon.com, you know, and they're going to try and trick to giving them your user ID and password. And what it usually is, is there's a link in the email and it just may say, you know, this is your financial institution. We've noticed some activity on your account. Please click here to log in and answer a few questions for us. What the user doesn't really know is when they're clicking that link that came in a phishing email, they're actually going to a website that looks exactly like their financial institution's website or amazon.com. And the first thing they're going to do is type in their user ID and password. And they type in their user ID and password. The hackers just recorded it on this fake site. And now they're going to go log on to the real site with the user ID and password. So how can we ensure that the emails we're receiving are from the intended sender versus part of a potential phishing scam? What I always tell people is if you have any doubt that it's legitimate, delete it. If you want to go a step further, if, it, if something's coming from your financial institution or your credit card company, 
and you're it just doesn't seem right to you, call your bank or call your credit card company and ask them if they sent the email. The one thing we have seen is the hacker will never send the same phishing email to the per- same person twice. So, you know, if it is legit in your bank or your credit card company is contacting you, you delete it, you're going to get another one from them. Maybe when that second one comes in, you actually give them a phone call. But the safest thing is if you have any feeling to believe this, this can't be legitimate, just delete it. Yeah. And it would be very rare that a financial institution would email a customer requesting their immediate attention. Normally, that would be over the phone. And even then, we highlighted this in our fraud protection episode, we would never ask for information if we called you. Of course, if you call into a bank, we would want to verify your identity, but you should be extremely diligent and scrutinize who calls you and ask for personal information. Yeah, I agree. Most financial institutions, if not all of them, they will not send you unsolicited communication asking for personal information or asking you to log in to to the websites. That's just a a bad tactic and and most financial institutions will not do that. Absolutely. Jeff, as we round out this episode, do you have any other piece of advice that you'd like to share? I would say the biggest piece is just try to keep in the back of your mind every time you're on the internet, somebody may be watching Do I care what they're seeing that I'm doing right now? And if I do, have I done the right things to protect myself? It's a mindset you have to get into that somebody may always be watching. Have I done everything I can to protect myself? Thanks so much for being our guest today, Jeff. For more information about keeping your financial information safe online, go to fmbo.com slash security center. Thank you everyone for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and keep an eye out for more Cashology episodes coming your way soon. Investment products are not FDIC insured, not a deposit or other obligation of the bank, not insured by any federal government agency, not guaranteed by the bank, may lose value. This podcast should not be copied, reproduced without permission. Information and statements within this podcast are subject to change without notice. Information and statements in this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to constitute investment advice or recommendations. First National Bank of Omaha does not make any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or complete of any information or statements within this podcast.